Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Biscuits, a hockey podcast. I'm Dave Lozo, who is operating at about 42% today, thanks to a migraine slash sinus slash hangover without drinking headache that I woke up with this morning that is causing me extreme pain in the in the face, eyes, and head area. I'm here in Brooklyn in the podcast studio and up in Canada. You know who's there, right? Hey, it's Sean McAndoo. I'm coming to you from Ottawa. I'm very concerned about Dave. You all right, buddy? I'm not going to lie to you. I woke up and I was going to do some work for Uproxx, and I, uh, I I was looking at my computer for like 10, 15 minutes, and like I started to get nauseous because of how the screen was affecting my eyes, and I was like, uh, hey, guys, I got to I gotta shut it down for the for the morning. I'll, I'll see you in the afternoon. And um, I feel like I've had a cold coming on forever because it's just the last week here. It's been like 30 degrees and raining, or like today. Today, it's like 55 degrees. I, I left my apartment. I swear to God, it was 39 degrees. And by the time I got to Brooklyn... Like I'm walking through Brooklyn and I'm like sweating, but I take I take off my toque and then I'm cold and I'm like this is how I got sick. This is how I I'm developing what I believe to be um, some sort of uh, terminal flu that I think I've got. But but I'm a hockey I'm a hockey podcaster. I'm gonna I'm gonna push through. Tough it out. Do you need to like go to the quiet room for 30 seconds and then come back even though you're <laughs> obviously not any better? No, I'm I'm not good enough for that. They just they just bench me if I if I if I look the slightest bit the slightest Excellent. bit off. Oh, I got a funny story. Uh, so last night, um, last night I'm walking out of MSG, and when you walk out of Madison Square Garden, you can walk out Eighth Avenue or you can walk out Seventh Avenue. And Seventh Avenue is kind of where like fans hang out to like catch players coming out. But last night was weird because it was an eight o'clock game. The Rangers lost, so like usually there's not a lot of kids hanging outside at like eleven thirty at the Seventh Avenue exit, which is where I walk out to go up to Sixth Avenue. So I'm walking out. There's nobody there. There's like four people there. There's nobody by the stairs where you come down. And I'm walking out towards 7th Avenue. I almost get to the street and this kid runs me down and he's holding his jersey and he's like saying something and I got to take out my earbuds. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, can I get your autograph? And for like 0.4 seconds, I thought he wanted my autograph. (laughs) And then I realized right away he thought I was a hockey player because like I'm tall, I'm thin, I'm white. 
I'm wearing like a winter coat that's kind of nice and a toque, so I can pull that off from like 60 feet away. And then he got up to me, and I was like, "No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a hockey player." He's like, "They said you were," and like I look back down where I walked from, and like his dad's like waving at me. I'm like, "Yeah, tell your dad I'm not a hockey player. I'm really sorry." <laughs> he, he he was so sad about it too. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." I'm like, "No, no, no, don't be sorry, don't be sorry. It's okay." And he just like kind of walked back to his dad with like his, his arms in the air. So, uh, so just- yeah, I. I Broke a kid's heart Picturing this sad kid who's like, "No, Dad, it was it was just a blogger." <laughs> if you would have signed my jersey, it would have been worth nothing. Then why would you do that to me, Dad? Never trust your parents. Uh, but um, speaking of disappointments, me and Sean McIndoe and this other uh, this other blogger named I believe it's Gregory or maybe he goes by Greg Wyshynski, we have churned out a hockey ebook. And we had been touting it on here, touting it on other podcasts and other forums for quite some time. And it is officially out. And this is going to be the part of the show where we pump our own tires and we and we, and we we try to sell you the book, which is called The 100 Greatest Players in NHL History and Other Stuff. An arbitrary list of arbitrary lists. Uh, it's six bucks. It's on Amazon. It's basically what the NHL is doing this year, except we're actually ranking the players and giving you some fun stuff in between we're not gonna bore you with the legend of bob gainey's back checking during stanley cup games from the 1970s and uh i don't know about you sean but i think it's actually a really great read and a really fun book yeah it it, it is i i was actually really happy with with how it turned out i mean it's uh always always a bit of an adventure when you're taking on a project like this came together relatively quickly three people all kind of plugging away at it uh and i think it it, i think it turned out really well and i don't know about you but i've been getting a ton of feedback all week and uh uh, overwhelmingly positive uh even among the people who want to yell at us over uh, somebody who was on the list or somebody who wasn't uh people really seem to be enjoying it yeah it's an easy brief breezy read it's it's fun doesn't really cost anything. Like, like where I was looking where we are, like ranked in the books in the book section there for sports, and like every other book's like fourteen bucks, twenty bucks, six bucks. That's like a beer in New York. Come on, what would you rather do? Have a beer for twelve minutes, or have this cherished piece of literature for the rest of your exactly. life? Exactly, and it has been the number one hockey book on Amazon in in both countries, uh, pretty much all week. And in in Canada, in fact, it's been the number one sports book all week. Wow. Uh, and that's, that's not just, that's not just the eBooks. That's everything. So, uh, yeah, people seem to, people seem to be liking it. And, uh, it's, uh, it like, I, I've, I've done a couple of like radio spots this week where I've talked about it and I've, I've talked to other people who have made lists and, and that sort of thing. And it, it's an interesting experience and, and like I know we, we've kind of hit on this a couple times in the last few weeks and we sort of hinted at at what we had on the way uh, but you know we can we can talk about it a little more openly here and it, it's I mean the, the the thing that really hits me when you go through and you actually put together a list there's a lot of good players who do not make the top 100 yep. like a lot of players and and you know I going into it, if if before we started, if you had just thrown a few names at me, if you had thrown like Mike Medano, Matt Sundin, Doug Gilmore, I would have been like, yeah, those are all top 100 players in NHL history. Because until you do it, top 100 is just like, it's just like a vague concept. It's like saying somebody's good or somebody's a legend or something like that. Uh, and, and it feels like something you should 
be able to apply to as many people as you want, but you can't. You got a hundred spots, and we got a hundred years of history. And uh, you know, I, I wrote a thing for Sportsnet today where I said, you know, I pointed out there's 271 players in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we got a hundred spots on this list. Right. So even if you're a Hall of Famer, and and a hundred spots on this list including active players, so I mean, it's it's not even a hundred Hall of Famers. It, basically, if if you were good enough to be a Hall of Famer in the NHL, you've got about a one in three chance of making a top 100 list. Like it is really tough, exclusive company, uh, which, uh, you know, is kind of the, the, the one and only caveat I have. Cause when you do a project like this, you gotta be ready for people to challenge you and question and, and push back and argue and debate and all of that stuff. The one thing I've, I've been telling people is if, if we left off somebody that you think should be there and you want to hammer us, go ahead. But you got to tell me who's coming off the list. Uh, you can't just tell me who should go on. And same thing, if it's the top 10, you think this guy should be in the top 10 and he's not. Okay, who who in the top 10 is coming out? Because uh, it's it's tougher than it looks. See, so you're using like logic and reasoning. Like if somebody questions me, I just make a mom joke and then I move on. That's 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 kind of my style. I just say, hey, your mom likes the list. And then the argument's over. It's much better that way, I find. Uh, yeah. I'm laughing because I think I actually did see you use that response on, on I don't think I don't think I actually did it for anybody on it. Like, the, like, the only person, like no, one's, like, no one's been a dick or anything about, like, some people have been like, yeah, where's this guy? Where's that guy? And a guy last night, point, a guy last night pointed out, we actually have a list at the back of the book. Uh, it's the 100 player names that sound like sex stuff. So, like, for example... Um, if your name was Dickie Moore, you made the list. Congratulations. You're actually on both lists if you're Dickie Moore. You're one of the 100 greatest players of all time, and your name sounds like a sex thing because it's Dickie Moore. That's the joke. But somebody pointed out, and this is all totally on me, I have one name on there twice, which I, I, I scoured that list, and I wanted to make sure that didn't happen, and I think I caught one before the final edit, and I just completely missed this one name that's on there twice. But... You know what? If you get to read that specific name twice, it's funny and it's it's it'll be enjoyable for you. And I apologize for that. I'm sorry. What are the names that, uh, other than the other than the uh, vaguely dirty sounding names? What are the names that have has, has anything surprised you based on feedback or pushback or uh, names that come up when people uh, uh, like names like of guys they thought should be in the top 100? Yeah. Um, the one. Uh, Matt, I think feel like Matt Sundin is the one guy I've heard the most who should be on our list that isn't, and I get it. I can totally see why he could yeah. be on. He could and should maybe be on the list over like a modern because we have because the NHL's list only has six dudes. Uh, by the way, current dudes on there, and I think we have ten or twelve or something like that. So I can totally understand if you were like, "Hey, why would you put this guy who's only played eight years on the list over Matt Sundin?" But like, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. That's that's a fine. That's a fine argument. I don't really have a specific reason for why we did it. It's just kind of our own opinion. And if you want to make your own list and make a book out of it and upload it to Amazon and have Matt Sundin be 84 on your list, that's cool. I can totally see why you do that. But like him yeah. and I think the other guy I hear is Madonna, who is not on our list. That's the one that keeps coming up for yeah. me. I, I'm, I'm surprised at how often that's kind – of, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't be because it's – not only is it a borderline case, but it's also it's it's like a guy who's very associated with one franchise. So you've mm-hmm. you've got fans who are going to be very invested, uh, really probably in two cities because you're going to get the Minnesota crowd as well, uh, who are going to be really invested in in him being there. And I've had 
yeah, more than a few people. How could Medano not be there? And the thing is, and to get back to my original point, like not only is Mike Medano not on the list, I don't think Mike Medano came especially close to making our list. Sundin at least came up in conversation because I'm a Leafs homer and I pushed for him a little bit before I got <laughs> shot down. But like, like Mike Medano, I, I think was made the cut of players that we started with and, and sort of did the initial ratings. But after that, uh, you know, th- th- you're, you're talking about a guy who played for 20 years, more than 20 years in the NHL, uh, never a Hart Trophy finalist, made one all-star team. He was a second team all-star once in his career. Never won a scoring trophy. Never, Cup. you know. That's yeah, it, I, I mean that's it's it, it, it's it's a great career that gets you in the Hall of Fame. He has you know thirteen hundred and something points, slam dunk Hall of Famer, top one hundred. No, not uh, you know not really. And there's a bunch of other guys that are are like that too, especially a lot from that era. Uh, you know, like the seventies, eighties, nineties, where you know the people a lot of guys put up big numbers. Uh, you know, it's just. Some of it's kind of, it's kind of a philosophy thing where, you know, what do you, when, what is a great player? And do you want guys who were great for a long time? Or do you want guys who maybe had shorter careers, but a higher peak where they weren't just great players, but they were the greatest player in the league or the greatest at their position? Uh, even if it was, even if it was only for a few years. And Medano to me is kind of, he's in the same category as like a Mark Recchi you know, maybe even like a Dave Anderchuk where guys who put up big numbers for a long time, but were never in that. Co- like I never heard anyone talk about Mike Medano right. being the best player in the NHL in my but life. The reason why, the reason why he's going to be on the list, the, the NHL list is because he's quote unquote, the best American player of all time. That's why he's going to be on the list because you can't have those hundred guys and yeah. not have the quote, best American player. Unlike us, we, 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 we're, we're, we're the kind of people that ignore the country you're from and just judge you on the quality of your play and be two Americans, two Americans and a Canadian and two Americans were like Mike Madano is not one of the hundred greatest players of all time. So, so there you go. We didn't even have, we didn't even have that. I'm trying to think now Americans that did make our list. Um, we did not have many because Madano didn't make it. Pat LaFontaine didn't make it. Uh, Phil Housley didn't make it. Brian Leach, did. Brian Leach, Brett Hall did. Brett Hall's kind of yeah, he's kind of half yeah, Canadian. He's, he's 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 ours, but really he's yours. Yeah, I never even thought about that while we were doing it. How many actual Americans do we have? Four. I'm going down. Chris Chelios was there. I don't. I'm not sure that there's that many more. Other than that, I'm sure there's a couple of guys that I'm forgetting. No American goalies. I don't think so. Well, there you go. Uh, if you hate America, you're probably going to like this book too because you will you will get strong satisfaction from seeing how many Canadians and Canadians are on our list so uh yeah go to go to amazon and yeah. check it out and uh when you see the nhl's list come out friday night which i believe will be tonight when you're listening to this on friday um you're probably going to get really mad at that list and you're going to say oh i wish i could see a really cool list that's awesome and thoughtful and actually has ranked people on it and that's when you come to us you go to our twitter pages and i believe we all have like tweets pinned with the link to buy it and get it on itunes get it on amazon and uh yeah think about it really really show the nhl what's yeah stick it up stick it up the man's butt you're like yeah screw you man we're gonna go give the the we're gonna get the book of the little people the people's the people's book is what it's gonna be called because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be mad at the nhl list yeah let's let's get into that because we've 
we've kind of gone back and forth on that a little bit over the last few weeks of what exactly is the NHL going to do and what are the active, particularly around the active players. And am, am I correct that you may have... May have. May have. May have. May have. Found yourself getting a bit of a sneak peek at the list that they're going to put out so there? So I don't know the entire list. But so here's the thing. On Wednesday, uh, the NHL's third leading scorer, one of the game's best players, Evgeny Malkin, basically dropped out of the All-Star game and said he was hurt and couldn't play the game before. So he's going to miss that game, miss the All-Star game, and then come back after the break, I assume, with what is either a super-duper minor injury or a fake one so he doesn't have to go to Los Angeles. Either way, whatever, do your thing. But I thought that's weird because why would Evgeny Malkin drop out of the All-Star game? I mean, he's he's going to be on the NHL's top 100 list. He probably wants to be out there for that whole event Friday. He's going to be out there with Crosby, him and Crosby, top 100 and all that stuff. And then I learned something. I, I found out a thing. And that thing is, is that uh, come Friday, when that list comes out, uh, unless something changes between now and, and tomorrow night, he, Evgeny Malkin, will not be considered one of the top 100 players in NHL history by the, quote, blue ribbon panel that the NHL has put together, which I assume lacks any Russians and is full of old Canadian guys. So apologies for spoiler alert. Uh, you're not going to see Evgeny Malkin on the top 100 list, and it's batshit crazy that he's not on that list. Yeah, that's – and, yeah, I mean, like when we did our list – I don't. I don't have it right in front of me, but Malkin made the list easily. easily, and I think he's. I think he's close. He might even be, if he's not in the top fifty, he's right around that range, because this is. I mean, he's been a first team All Star three times, scoring titles, Conn Smythe. Uh, you know, he's won a heart, and he and he's come in second two other times. Thirty percent of his career, he was either the best or second best player in the league. And it's not even like he's a guy that you can say, well, he, you know, he's been in the shadow with Sidney Crosby because even though we've all kind of forgotten about it now, like I mean, there were big chunks of Sidney Crosby's career where he wasn't there due to injury, and Malkin stepped in in those years and was dominant. And in fact, earlier in their careers was you know, some years, if not the better player, uh, certainly just as, if not more productive than, than Sidney Crosby. And so the, the, the idea of that he's not on the list, the, the only way that makes sense to me is if you were to turn around and tell me that the only active players on the list are Crosby, Ovechkin, and then guys who are at the very end of their career, where the NHL has clearly said, we want to see 15 or 20 years of sure. a body of sure. work. And and so, you know, if Malkin's not there and let's say, for example, neither are Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, then I can probably at least understand that. Well, I got bad news for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is like, there, there's no, okay, there's to me like there's no, object, it's a subjective list, but there's no objective way that you cannot have Evgeny Malkin on that list because... If you look at, I mean, he's, he's played ten years already, so you got a you got a body of work that's pretty extensive. And I believe I'll probably be like one or two numbers off because I can't look at my computer or my phone because my head is pounding and I don't want to look at the screen. But Malkin is, I want to say, twelfth or like fourteenth all time 
in NHL regular season points per game. The only guy ahead of him that's active is Crosby. And in the postseason, it's the same thing. He's like 21st or 22nd, and the only guy ahead of him is Crosby. And all the guys ahead of him played in like the friggin' 80s when you could just throw up points left and right. Like Malkin's done this in an era that's been like the lowest scoring era in NHL history pretty much, except for like the first two years out of the lockout. He's been a point-per-game guy at least in every season he's played in except one in an era, again, when nobody plays high-scoring, fun hockey. But the guy who makes the list instead of him, not instead of him, I mean, he's on the list. I mean, there's millions of guys on the list probably you can take off to put Malkin on. But yeah, Jonathan Jonathan Taves, which really shouldn't be a surprise at this point because he's going to the All-Star game with like 12 points this year or whatever he has. He made the list, and you stack him up against Malkin. The one thing you want to say about Taves is, oh, he's a winner, Baba. He's won three cups. Malkin's won two. Taze is a, a con Smythe. So does Malkin. And then Malkin has all the other scoring accolades and regular season stuff. Like, Taze has one Selkie trophy. You're putting him on that list because he's he's won cups, because he's the captain of the team. It's insane. It's just, it's, it's, it's yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's terrible. I don't, I mean, if, if you want to tell me that Jonathan Taves is in your top 100, we didn't have him there. But I think we like we had a list of like ten guys who almost made it, and I think Taves was on that list. So that, like, there's a case. I'm not gonna get worked up over somebody putting Jonathan Taves in their top 100, but at the expense of of Malkin, where yeah, you're right. I mean, the the resume is 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 everything Taves has done. Malkin has done too, with the exception of like Olympics and international, but this is supposed to be an NHL list. So I, I, that in theory isn't, isn't there. And, uh, you know, it's not even like you can say Taves is, has carried the Blackhawks because, you know, he's had Patrick Kane, uh, on that team the whole way. Uh, You know, that's not quite the same as having Sidney Crosby, but it's, it's not, uh, I mean, if you're going to somehow say that Malkin was just the one a to somebody else's one, uh, that I don't. How do you how do you put Kane and Taves on the list? Also, if you look at the years they won the cups, like the year the Penguins won the cup, like like Malkin has. I'll get the numbers wrong again because I can't look at my mic and my phone. But like it's like it's like sixty seven points in like fifty six games. And Taves that one year in twenty thirteen, I think he went like two and a half rounds without scoring a goal that year when they went when they beat Boston. He, he won the Con Smythe with three goals. Yeah, that was a weird year too. Like that was a year where it was very it was strange. like up for grabs. It could have gone to anybody. He was really good in the the first time they won the cup. But I mean, the second time they won the cup, like he was he was a guy who was like dominating possession but could not put the puck in the net until they got to the cup final when he, he scored a couple goals. But I mean, that's not enough to say like, oh well, that's obvious why that's obviously why he's not top one hundred. He had a bad two weeks in the playoffs. But I mean. If we're if we're splitting errors and we're coming down to between these two guys, like I'm okay if like Malkin and Taves are on the list, but the fact that Malkin's yeah. not and Taves is, you know what it is. If 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 getting Malkin's name was, uh, you know, instead of it was Gino Malkin, it was like Gino Richardson, and he hailed from Saskatoon, he'd be on the goddamn list, and he's not, and it's a hundred percent because of that. You can't tell me it's not. Yeah, I love Jonathan Taves as a hockey player. I really do. Like I I, I get he's great. I get great. all of the all of that around him and you know obviously as a canadian i've you know i've been watching this guy for the last decade win gold medals and world juniors and olympics and all of this stuff um but i mean at some point this this whole leadership thing this whole idea that you know if he ever wanted to he could easily score 90 points a year 
but he doesn't because he's just so committed defensively. He's never had 70 points in a season. He's never cracked 70 points, and that's not because he chooses not to. Like, that makes it's, ah, ah, Sean, why don't I have to find this? It's, yeah, I, I, I can't, like, I really can't understand that one as you know as assuming that your your information is correct and assuming they don't smarten up and and change their minds at some point because it's not even like i you know if if malkin was being malkin for the columbus blue jackets or the winnipeg jets or something right. maybe you go well you know it's not a big mark but pittsburgh's i mean they're not chicago but they're right there because no nothing's chicago as far as the way the nhl pushes teams but pittsburgh's right up there in that second tier i, I don't Oh man, that that's that's just a really a really strange one. Let's hope I'm wrong. And there were some other names that that you suspect are being left off the list that I think are going to Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too people. much, but um the uh the, the six current guys um Are there only six? I'm pretty sure there's only six. Oh, and man. it's the three obvious ones, Ovechkin, Crosby, Yager, and then the rest. That's right. Blackhawks. <laughs> Taves, Kane, and Keith. I like Keith for sure, but again, it's like it's you're, we're going back to the it's like this like argument where you just go in circles. Where all right, you're putting Taves on the list because he's a complete player and he's a leader. Blah 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 blah. Like Marion Hosa is a complete player who's a much better offensive player who's won the same amount of cups as Jonathan Taves and he's been to the Cup final two other times. Besides that, like he's I just I don't know, man. I I would put Hosa on my list ahead of Patrick Kane. Yeah, I can see that. Pretty pretty. I mean, the the argument with Kane is he he's got the he's got the Hart trophy. So, I mean, this is a guy who at one point was the best player in the league and kind of to my my earlier point, maybe Hose is more one of those guys who's been very good for a long time and Kane at his peak was better. But, you know, who else has won a Hart trophy? Who? Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, he's got one. So, <laughs> I man, I don't know. That's that, uh, maybe we should be thankful that the NHL didn't rank these guys because I don't know if if this is an accurate description of who's even going to be on the list. I don't know that I could handle seeing like Mark Messier ranked fourth all time because of you his would think though amazing right, leadership right. skills. If Taves is on the list and you're basing that mostly on his leadership towards cups, like Mark Messier should probably be ahead of Wayne Gretzky, right? We gotta get Gretzky like, because like Gretzky's probably the Malkin to Messier's I don't know. I I'm now I'm trying to think of like what other great leaders are gonna are gonna show up on the list that, that we don't think should have, but uh Oh well, it's sad. Hopefully, well let, let's 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 hope I'm wrong. Let's hope let's hope the information I got was incorrect, and people will listen to this yeah. on Saturday and laugh at us because we were mad about something that wasn't true. But I'd rather be wrong about this yeah. than yeah, or or maybe like Jim Rutherford is, is like screaming at Gary Bettman right now, and just like really hammering him over some of these oversights and 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 other stuff. Because oh man, that would be. That would just be really weird. That'd be, that would be funny too, because they they have to have already told all these guys to come out to L.A. to do this. So you'd have to find someone who's on this list of the last sixty-seven who's dead, and then like, <laughs> and then like bump them off and like call up that person's kids and be like, "Hey, buddy, um, I know we told you like a week Whoopsie. ago, but uh, Jim Rutherford makes a really good case here for Malkin, so we gotta we gotta put him on the list because otherwise, like, you can't be like." You know, if if you know, pick a guy who's on the list, like Mike Madonna. Hey, Mike. Uh, you know, I, I know you've already booked the hotel at the JW Marriott, and you've, you you're going to bring your family out here, and you had a really big um, celebration plan. But 
Hawkins way better than you. Like, so we thought we thought this over, and we're gonna have to actually ask you to not show up. And if you show up, that's fine. But just just don't don't you're 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 one on one in our book, buddy. You're one on one. I'm picturing like I'm picturing Dale Howarchuk like trying to check in at the Marriott, <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't. And he's like, no, the NHL was supposed to. And they're like, I'm sorry, sir, we don't have anything for. <laughs> For you, and then if Getty Malkin walks in, like right behind them, you're like Gino. Oh, come on in, pal. Yeah. Oh, we got the room reserved. You exactly. love exactly. Uh, cut, cut to Dale Howard Chuck sadly standing on a curb waiting for a cab with Jero Gallant, and <laughs> it's also weird too from like the, the marketing standpoint because like right because like yes. it's all Blackhawks. This, this league is all Blackhawks and Penguins. So what? Why, what if you're going to do the three big? Blackhawks, why wouldn't you do the two big penguins? I... And and why like we said last week, why wouldn't you not market a ton of guys that are active? Even if it's more than should be on the list. Because I mean how many active players did we wind up with? It was like ten to twelve, maybe? Twelve or something like fourteen. That? Yeah, something like that. And you know, and, and we're not we're not the NHL. Like we're we're doing this because we think this is the list, yeah. not because we don't have to worry about marketing or you know anything in the any any other consideration. None of these guys are showing up to our house after we do this book to thank us. Yeah. So it's not like we're getting anything out of it. Yeah, pro- probably. Not. <laughs> yeah, like it, you know, it, market the guys who you're currently selling tickets for. I don't know. I really hope we're wrong. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It'd be nice to be wrong about this. I, we're not. I mean, we we'll, we won't say that we're wrong. We'll just say that the NHL changed their minds at the last minute. And, right. Yes. That's and, that, and shifted things that's around. I, that's how I cover my ass. Yeah. After after the story was broken, must credit Dave Lozo. <laughs> uh, keep keep my name uh, off of it just in case it's wrong. But credit Dave. You're, you're you're plus one on the book, so you can be plus one on on the podcast story news breaking too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I am. Yeah. Oh, boy. Should, should we move on and talk about uh, yeah, whatever stuff that's happening right now? I whatever. Guess. Sure. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? Go crazy. Let's, you know what? Let, let me look down the list. We we kind of got away from it, but we used to have, the, in the first few episodes, we had a feature in which we talked about Canadian fan bases and who was panicking uh, right now. But now they're all good. And, and maybe they're all should, good now. We Well... They're they're almost all good, but we can bring it back because there's one that's that's not good right now, and that is uh, that is kind of plummeting, and that's the Calgary Flames. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Who have lost four in a row, have fallen out of a playoff spot, have fallen behind the Vancouver Canucks. That division. Which is just right there. That is not good. That's not a term you ever want to hear. <laughs> and they're, I mean, they're, they're playing tonight. They're actually in Ottawa tonight. So I mean, maybe by the time people are hearing this, they've won 7-1 and everything's right back on track. But uh, it, they, they've lost four straight and not even, not even close. Like they're, they're getting the doors blown off in every one of these games. But they're, but they're, losing, to, but they're losing to Canadian franchises, right? Toronto, Montreal. I mean, right. you go up against the best of the best, you're going you're gonna to hit the wall, right? Exactly. That is true. That is true. But, I mean, yeah, like the, the, they've, I think they've fallen behind 4 nothing in each of their last four games, which is not good. And they're, it, was it, 
was it yeah was it after the Toronto game and the Montreal game their coach is ripping into them talking about how they only they only play well when things are going well and and they they what was it was it crumble the word that he kept I using want, like there was some yeah, soundbite it was um like four times in a paragraph he was talking about how they were crumbling uh and it was i mean that's that's a that's a that's a pretty tough message to to ignore from from a head coach who you would assume the coach's job is is going to be safe because he's he's new this year but i mean this was a team that wasn't that long ago looked like they were pretty going to be a pretty solid playoff team at the very least and and now they're just falling apart and you know whether it's uh, the goaltending is obviously a big issue but i like i don't feel like it's the only one uh i man i i don't know i it, I, I'm not sure what card you play uh, if you're the Calgary Flames right now and you're trying to get this thing turned around. I feel like it's way too early in the season to pull out the team's crumbling card if you're a coach in front of the media. Like it's game 48 or whatever it is, and you're still like, what, two points out of the playoffs? You're right there. You're in the worst division in hockey. I mean, he knows the team better than I I mean, I've seen the Calgary Flames play like twice this year, so it's not like I have my finger on the pulse or anything, but like it just seems, seems premature because – it's not like you lost to Toronto in 2009. You lost to Toronto in 2017 when they're they're looking pretty solid and looking like a playoff team. And don't get me wrong, you don't want to lose 4 nothing or get murdered by a team at any point, but you're going to have lulls. You're on the road. you got some tough road games. you got to go in some tough buildings. If you feel like your team mail- packs it in whenever things go bad, I mean, I don't know if you need to go to the media to say that, like as a media person, like, thanks. Like that gives us something to talk about, but I don't know. Like it feels like a weird time to sort of crack the whip and everything. I also think maybe yeah. it was, was it after the Montreal game or the Toronto game when he said it, it was after the ter- Montreal game, right? I think so. I think it was because that was the most recent yeah, one. I was going to say like, it was a Toronto game. Maybe he was pissed off about the hit on Goudreau and he just had like his frustrations boil over. But I think it was the Montreal game. So that doesn't really matter, I guess. But I don't know. In that, in that division, I think if you're a couple points behind Vancouver with 35 to go, it's not really time to to panic just yet. The, the, the thing that I would be panicking yeah. about is LA is eventually going to start scoring some goals because they're putting like 60% of their five-on-five shot attempts on net during the course of the games. I mean, 60-40 versus their opponents. And eventually stuff's going to start going in. They'll, go, they'll get to Foley back. And goaltending's not even their problem. Shocker, the Kings are able to keep pucks out of the net without Jonathan Quick. They can get, they can get by with Zatkoff and Budai because... Again, when you're putting 58% of the shot attempts in a game on the other team's net, your goalie can be average like Jonathan Quick has been. But that's a whole other podcast. But, yeah, I I understand. You don't want to give away points like this and get hammered. But I don't know. It's not really time to panic in Canada. Yeah, no, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't I'm, – I'm not really concerned that I'm a point back of the Vancouver Canucks. I'm concerned that I've got the Kings chasing me. And, and even the Dallas Stars, I haven't quite given up on them yet. I have. Uh, and and they're right by you have they're, they just can't they can't they got by last year because they were an insanely insanely good offensive team and this year I mean shocker you have the same goaltending and defense and your defense still stinks and now because of injuries a little bit too they're just not scoring at the same rate I mean I just don't think they're going to be able to to make up ground in that division because yeah they're they're I much. mean it's they're one of those deceptive teams because it's they're they're four points out of a, as we're talking about this on thursday they're four points out of a playoff spot doesn't sound too bad but they're they're 19 20 and 10 so they've won 19 they've lost 30 games (laughs) okay that is worse 
than basically everyone other than Arizona and Colorado, just in terms of wins. That's worse than New Jersey. It's worse than Detroit, worse than Buffalo, uh, worse than Winnipeg. I mean, they're, they're hanging in based. I mean, we, we, you talk about the, the loser point, keeping teams in the playoff race. This is one case where it's, it, it actually seems to be happening because the, the Dallas Stars should probably be dead and buried, you know, scraping, scraping the bottom, right. You know, one level up from Arizona and Colorado. And, and that's about it. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're still in the race, but yeah, it, there's, there's not a lot that's going right there. The problem with the West is, is that it's so bad this year. It's a, it's, it's finally, it's finally for the first time since 0506 definitively worse than the East last year. I think the East might've had like a four point edge in head to head matchups during the course of the season. So it was still super tight, but this year, I mean, I haven't checked this in like six weeks, but the East was just running over the West. And now you have mm-hmm. the West is bad. Like Chicago, again, I, I've been saying this all year. Chicago is not as good as their record. Like they're they're benefiting from playing in a in a crappy conference, not necessarily a crappy division. But you have Arizona and Colorado giving away two points every night when they play. So that you combine having two just absolute free layups on your schedule in the West almost for every team when they play during the course of the season, plus the mediocrity, plus the Kings being injury riddled. It's, it's led to this weird congestion. It's allowed the Oilers to kind of, in a way, become almost a lock at this point for the playoffs. They're still they're playing really well, but it helps when everyone around you is not. So you're left in a situation where, like, if Dallas if Dallas was playing well and losing, I'd say, yeah, they can they can get it together. I mean, boy, Kari Luttonen's he's got a nine oh seven save percentage. That's like a career best for him or something. Like, but I just. I just feel like the teams like like Nashville, Nashville's kind of gotten it together. I think LA is going to get. It. I mean, I get. Then again, two years ago, I thought LA was going to get it together up until the time they lost to the Oilers in like Game eighty. I was yeah. waiting around all, for all season for that. I, I just, I, I'm not. I'm not in love with. I'm not yeah. in love with Dallas. I, I, if, if you ask me to pick who I like to make the playoffs between Calgary and Dallas, I think I would still take Calgary at this point. But I wouldn't feel good about either one. I, I cannot believe that it really does look like the Dallas Stars are going to let this season slip away without doing anything to address the goaltending. Like yeah. we, we went after they went out in the playoffs last year, we all went in the off season going, okay, Dallas has got to go get a goaltender. Jim Nill's going to go and get himself a goalie. And then training camp rolled around and it hadn't happened yet. And then opening night rolled around and it hadn't happened yet. And, and I kind of half talked myself into it because I was like, you know what? Guys are going to shake loose over the course of the season. As the expansion draft gets closer, you're going to see guys that maybe wouldn't, ordinarily be available or going to become available and it'll be easier to move one of the guys he has because he'll have already eaten some of the salary and and he's just he's waiting and then the season just started to slip away and and it's it's not just goaltending but goaltending is a big part of it and it's it's just slipping away and it's more and more starting to look like we're just going to get to the deadline and past it and maybe Dallas doesn't end up doing anything which, you know, I, I know everybody is so eager to make excuses for every GM about why you just, you know, you, you can't make a trade when things are going bad and that that's the worst time and everybody wants to throw you anchors instead of, uh, in, in, instead of life vests or whatever it is. But at some point, you've got a team that's got Stanley Cup contender talent, at least, because they were last year. You've got Jamie Benn in his prime. You've got Tyler Sagan in his prime. 
and you're going to just let a season slip away because you can't find a way to, to get out there and, and make a deal to improve your goaltending. That's man, that's that's a tough one. Who's the guy like who's the guy they would have gotten though at this point? Like Flurry hasn't been good, Bishop hasn't been good, Yaroslav Halak's in the AHL. Like there's no it's weird. Like I like if they had like an open spot and they grabbed the guy like Chad Johnson or something, he'd probably be helpful. But the fact that they tied themselves to Auntie Niemi and Kari Lettinen for so long at the same time is what screws them. And also, if you're Jim Nil and you're like, wait, hold on, I just had the most points in the Western Conference last year and I'm supposed to change my goaltending after that. I've already proven I can get by with that goaltending. Why wouldn't I expect it to happen again? So I can I can yeah. see how he would tie his own hands. That explains why you maybe go into the season, but you, you've got to have that plan B. Because, I mean, the goaltending was bad last year. It's not like, you know, sometimes there are guys out there that we just kind of decide are bad and, and we start talking about them like they're bad and then you look at their numbers and they're not. Like, I, I get a lot of that out of Buffalo. There's There just seems to be a lot of people who think Robin Leonard's not a good goaltender because they gave up so much to yeah, get him. Like but his numbers yeah, are fine. Yeah, he's at like 920-something. Yeah, he's got good numbers, you know. It's, uh, it's so... Uh, it, but this this isn't that. I mean, they had two... The, I, the, I think they were like... The two goalies were... There were 40 goalies who had played... 20 games or whatever it was and and they were both in the bottom five you gotta at least have a plan b i mean maybe you go and maybe you're thinking i i like these two players they both had off years i'm not going to overreact and that's fine but you gotta have the plan b ready to go and you know plan b can't be i'm gonna let it get to the end of january and i'm gonna be out of a playoff spot and and plunging and i'm still not going to have done anything uh because now i mean he's getting to the point now where there, he runs the risk of the worst possible scenario, which is that he does pull the trigger and make a big move, and they still miss the playoffs. And it's weird, too, because Ottawa's out here wheeling and dealing, pulling off blockbuster deals. The Sens, the Sens <laughs> are landing themselves a, a prime, legitimate 15-goal scorer via the trade market, and no one else is doing anything. Never let it be said that Eugene Melnick will not <laughs> go out and green light those big moves for big players. Uh, but we can't we can't make fun because they're the only one i mean ottawa and toronto are like the only teams making trades they're just making these little tiny trades but no like we haven't had has there been a legitimate nope nope trade nothing all uh, dylan mackle mackle to florida for some other defenseman uh minor league stuff there's been nothing man like the, the like the mike condon trade has kind of yeah, in hindsight yeah. been the biggest one but i mean that was for a fifth round pick for a guy who, you know, a team trading a their third string goaltender who they didn't have any need for. I mean, if that's our big blockbuster. And, I, and like that, he was he was just supposed sad. to be like on an insurance policy while Craig Anderson was out, you know, dealing with his with his wife's health situation. Like that wasn't they didn't get Mike Condon to start 22 games in a row. That wasn't why they made that trade. Like that you're right, that's a hindsight trade where it's like, "Oh, boy, good thing they mm-hmm. did that." There's no well, let me ask you this as a as a Toronto Maple Leaf supporter. Do you, do you feel like this is the deadline where you go out and get somebody or do you just stay the course and let the let the season roll because clearly Toronto's Toronto's got something going at this point. Maybe they're a year ahead of schedule, right? They do. They do and and you know it, uh, yeah, I think they're they're well ahead of I don't know if they're well ahead of their own schedule, but they're well ahead of the schedule that that sort of traditional conventional wisdom that says you need three to five years they're they're well ahead of that the thing with toronto is i I don't think you go out and get a rental i think you go out and if you can get someone who's going to be around for for a couple of years uh then then you do it because because i think 
making the playoffs for the Maple Leafs this year is is a nice to have. It, it would be great to get that experience, get that confidence and for the fan base. Head into the off season, yeah, for the yeah, fan base, the and, and head into the off season, yeah. Head into the off season where you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of cap room. They've they, the, all all of these, not all, but almost all of these bad contracts that are cluttering up their salary cap come off this year. Like everybody they got from Ottawa in the Dion Phaneuf trade, they all come off this year. So they're gonna have a lot of money to spend, and it's probably gonna be easier to bring someone over if uh, if it's a situation where you can say, look, man, we we were already a playoff team, and you know, look how crazy the building was and how crazy the city was when when that was going on. Uh, come be a part of this, but but I don't I don't think you sacrifice future. Where it's going to be interesting for the Leafs is you know they've got some guys on their team who might be rental targets for other teams, and you know if somebody calls if if San Jose calls and says we want to give you two more second round picks for Roman Polak again this year, yeah. do you make that move or do you say you know what we're going to hold on to him and and he'll kind of be we'll we'll kind of rent him from ourselves so to speak, but. The one name that's that's coming up a little bit more often with Toronto is uh, is Kevin Shattenkirk, because he's exactly what they need. Top pairing, right-handed guy, uh, it, it, like that. That seems like a great fit, just in terms of of checking the boxes of what they need right now. It, it was a guy that up until a few weeks ago we all assumed wasn't going to get traded after all this year, uh, even though we we all expected it to happen in the off season, but. You figure St. Louis looked like they were going to be a potential cup contender. And now that they're sort of slowly but surely collapsing, you wonder if if they might be willing to make a move because he's going to be a free agent this year. And then the question is, if they are willing to move him, are they willing to let a team talk to him and get a sense for what would be required for a contract? Here's what I'm thinking. You trade Roman Polak for whatever. You get a third from... Yeah, apparently, apparently Doug Wilson likes him. You get you trade him for a third. Now you have an extra third. You trade you trade Frank Corrado, who I don't know what he did to upset Toronto Brass, but that poor bastard needs to get in the lineup more than twice during the course of the season. He could be anything. Yeah. You package him and the pick you get for Polak, maybe one other pick, and. Uh, I'm trying to think of like your least your least valuable forward who's a young good oh what's his name the Russian kid uh uh the Sashnikov Sashnikov yeah oh they've got a ton of guys yeah. like that they they've got a ton of boom they've got a couple of guys in the AHL who are like legit not you know they're not top tier prospects but they're like legit. We're excited. This guy could still be a top six forward prospects, and then they got a bunch of other guys, like the Kirby Reichels of the world, that are like good prospects. But the the Leafs don't necessarily need. Like I wouldn't mind seeing them move some of those guys, but or or somebody off the roster to make room for one of the other guys. Shattenkirk would be nice. Shattenkirk would be good. But again, here's here's what's interesting with Shattenkirk. Like let put put aside this year. Because there's this this kind of interesting thought that's going around uh, some of some of the Leaf fan thinkers out there. It when it comes to Kevin Shattenkirk, like the 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 thinking seems to be that when he hits free agency, he's going to be possibly the the biggest name free agent out there, uh, the the top defenseman. There, th- people are thinking he's going to get like seven years, like seven million bucks a year type cap hit situation which sounds like a lot but when you're the top guy out there you know that that's what 
these guys get. And if you're the Maple Leafs, you're you're kind of hesitant to go down that road because the Leafs have got a ton of cap room clearing up this year, and they've got about a two year window where their salary cap looks looks fantastic because all of these rookies have come in around the same time. But then when you need to re-sign yeah, Austin Matthews right. and Mitch Marner at the same time, it, suddenly that's going to be huge. And you know to have uh, a commitment hanging over your head to a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, who's in his 30s by that point, potentially declining, and you're on the hook for you know th- does that become un- yet another Dion Phaneuf deal that you're you're desperately trying to move? But one of the ideas that's going around is okay, whether it's Kevin Shattenkirk or you know or anyone else, but but he seems to be the guy that would fit. What if you went to him in free agency and you just tried to blow his doors off on like a two-year deal Mm. what would it take for him to take a two-year deal that made him the highest paid defenseman in the nhl like and like we're talking like you go to him and say we'll give you two years we'll give you 12 million a year never happened and then you hit free agency again you hit free agency two years from now now if you're if you're thinking you can make you know you want to you want seven years 50 million well here get half of it in the first two years and then you've got even if your next contract doesn't get you anywhere near that cap hit, you're still going to have. I mean, you're going to have all that money in the bank already. And from the Leafs' perspective, you get your top line defenseman for two years, and then he comes off just in time when you got to give all that money to Austin Matthews instead. Uh, interesting. I just he would he would never do the two year thing. I could see it being like four. I can see if he took like a four year deal for like yeah thirty six or something like that. But I, I just I feel like. If you're gonna overpay, do it for a top pairing defenseman. Like the 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 Leafs are in such a good spot forward wise that. But there just there just aren't any. That's yeah. That's the thing. How do you go and get those guys? This is this is like the one guy, and and it's kind of like this. You know, the Leafs are. I wouldn't say in danger, but they're at least. You look down the road, and you can see them getting into sort of a Edmonton Oilers situation where the Oilers had all that talent up front but never got that top guy on the blue line. And everybody kept screaming year after year after year, like, go get a top pairing guy, go do it. And then they finally did it last summer. And everybody was like, whoa, that was a terrible trade. You gave way too much to get a guy who really might be in your top two, but isn't isn't even on most teams' top two. And, you know, it, it, when you read the trade rumors that, that come out of Toronto, you, you see a lot of stuff that says, like, that deal set the price. Like, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson is the deal that set the price for these top four defensemen. Uh, so if you're the Leafs, I mean, do you pay anything approaching that price? Or do you just say, you know what, if if that's what it costs to get a top four defenseman, I guess we just ride with what we have and, uh, you know, we, we hold on to everyone. Because I think there's, I think it could make a lot of sense to move a guy like a James Van Riemsdyk for, for a top four defenseman. Yes, but, I agree. But if, if, if the team that you're talking to starts talking about Taylor Hall and Peter Shirelli and and trying to use that. I think you got to you got to hang up the phone and say, "You know what? Sorry, but uh, we got to walk away from this Sorry, one." Sorry, Doug, Doug Armstrong, I'm losing you. I'm going into a tunnel. I can't I can't possibly Well, look at it like this too. Okay, you're worried about like 3 years down the road and paying Austin Matthews and all those guys. You're still going to be in a situation where you're going to be able to put a gun to their head and say, Go ahead, try and try and leave somewhere else because no one's going to give you an RFA because everyone or an offer sheet because you're an RFA and that's just not what happens in this league. Like you're not going to have to give Austin Matthews nine million dollars in two years. You probably have to give him five, 
you can still live with that. And look at what, and look at what the Blackhawks do. You can just be in that situation where if you pay, I mean, they're paying Kane and Taves ridiculous money. They still have Keith and Seabrook. Seabrook makes ridiculous. They're still, you know, they're still a contender at this point. If you if you overpay for Shattenkirk now, when Matthews and Marner and all those guys are going into their prime, I think it's fine. I think those guys are going to cost you more than you think. I I, I think you know, like Johnny Gaudreau is kind of the starting point for for those guys. And, and especially, I mean, you're talking two more years after this year of Austin Matthews, this guy by that point might be one of the top five players in the game. And he's also going to be, you know, if, if he continues to, to be the player, he looks like he's going to be, uh, I mean, this guy's going to be a, a dighty in Toronto by that point. And if the league, if the Leafs suddenly decide they're going to play hardball with this guy, uh, I, boy, that, that, that could be, you're right. He has no leverage as far as yeah. as going anywhere else. But uh, there there's going to be crowds outside of the ACC waving picket signs if if this kid isn't in the lineup for a Leafs team that we all seem to think by that point could actually be a cup contender. Think, think about your problems as a Leafs fan. 365 days ago compared to now, where last year you were like, oh, if we tank and we don't get Matthews, we're going to be bad forever. Now you're just like, well, we don't want to rush the dynasty. We want to take our time before we start actually putting the dynasty together. So we don't want to overpay for the. It's just amazing how one draft, so much one benefit. year, and all of a sudden your so problems are one 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 draft lottery. I mean that that's really it. That uh, you know that that they finished last. They had a twenty percent shot, and it actually came through. And it's uh, yeah, that's that's it's 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 amazing. And I can't wait to see how it all goes horribly wrong uh, at some there point. There There's Sean. All right. How are we doing for time? Are you getting kicked out of your room? Um, uh, a lady just walked by the glass. I don't know if she... I think she wants to come in here. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. She was. She she didn't seem angry about it. She kind of <laughs> smiled, but then she walked away. So, I don't know. Does Tim Barnes, our producer... Do we, do we have I don't to... know of anything next. All right, so then let's just keep talking. Well, let's keep talking. Let's keep if if until we get through. If she out. doesn't look angry, let's because let's. I, I want to throw one more out there just because I feel like this situation is kind of shifting around so much that we can probably come back to it next week and it'll it'll look totally different. But what is going on with the Boston Bruins and Claude Julian right They're now? They're stupid. They're a stupidly run team. They're not that. Good. Here's the thing: everyone's like, you can't fire Claude. Can't fire him. He's one of the best coaches in the NHL. I disagree with the idea that you can't fire him. And I agree that he's one of the best coaches in the NHL. But at some point, a situation just becomes untenable. And it's not his fault. He didn't put the roster together. He's not having Patrice Bergeron go out there and not put pucks in net and then not not produce points. Don Sweeney and Cam Neely have, have done this thing now for two years where they're half in, they're half in rebuild, they're half in going for it now. And that results in, you know, again, the Bruins for the third year in a row are going to be like one of those teams that's maybe a wild card, maybe not. You're in that like Calgary flame zone at the end of the Aginla Kiprasov era. I just think at some point it's just best for everybody. Not It's not Claude Julien's fault. It's not like anything he's done has been the reason why they're, they're not the same team they were four or five years ago. But sometimes you just need a clean break. You just got to move on and it's – I feel like based on his quotes, based on the Claude Julien being like, I don't have the talent to do anything here. I feel like he's basically like Costanza now when he was trying to get fired from play now and trying to get fired from the Yankees actually. And he was like dragging the, 
the the the, the World Series championship trophy around in the parking lot and screaming about how George Steinbrenner's incompetent. I think Julien's trying to do that, and they're just like, nope, sorry, buddy, we we're not going to let you go. It did kind of have a bit of a sense of that because that that was like when he said that earlier this week, where he was he he, he basically I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of we don't have enough talent yes. to play like that and still win, which isn't quite the same as saying we don't have enough talent, period, but it's it's definitely in the ballpark. And usually when you hear a quote like that from a coach, at that point, usually you can start the stopwatch right? because that's when guys go. I, I mean, it was the same thing with the Leafs and Randy Carlisle. Like he, he let slip, you know, well, you know, the way the roster has been put together and that like 24 hours later he was gone <laughs> and it's happened for other coaches as well and and claude julian's a smart guy like he's he's been around this and and he he knows how this works and there was that like even two weeks ago when before the bruins started slumping there was that weird article in 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 one of the papers there where don sweeney was like yeah we're we're not ruling out making a coaching change I know. <laughs> it was and it was just, like you're looking at it going what what <laughs> We didn't even ask you about that. We just <laughs> so Don, what'd you have for lunch we today? Ask- well, actually, yeah, I am thinking about making a coaching change. What? Huh? Yeah, and it, it was it was so weird, and it just it feels like Claude Julian is is at the point now where it's kind of like I want to stay, but if you're gonna fire me, just do it now. Right. Like let's just not don't hang me out to dry for the rest of the rest of the season as the scapegoat. If you think you've got a playoff team that you've built here under a different coach, then get a different coach and, and, you know, let me get a, give me a couple of months off and head into the off season. I'll go find a new job somewhere else uh, versus this, this situation where they're just kind of letting them twist in the wind. Like at this point to me, fire him or call a press conference and say, this is our guy for the rest of the year and be done with it. But this this kind of back and forth, and because it's getting to the point now where, like, after every game, it's like, okay, here here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I write about the Bruins and they they lose a game, and I write something that's going up the next day, I'm like, I'm letting the editor know, like, okay, if Julian gets fired before this goes up, here's here's Plan B, <laughs> because it feels like it's it's imminent, and then it doesn't happen, and it's I mean that's it's clearly not working for them. Uh, so yeah, make, make a call one way or the other and, you know, but maybe, you know, Don Sweeney is a still relatively new GM who didn't hire his own coach. And, you know, he might be, it might be a little self-preservation for him that he figures he's not on the hot seat until he plays this card. So he doesn't want to play it until he has absolutely no other choice. What what it sounds like to me is, is that you want Claude Julian fired just so you can have your work life be better and less complicated. Is that correct? I, I mainly want him fired because I want the Leafs to make the playoffs, <laughs> and I think there's no chance that uh, yeah I, I want the Bruins to like fire him and bring in Jack Capuano right away. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that'll be that'll be one team down. But then the Islanders will hire Claude Julian. The Islanders will catch the Leafs, and the Leafs will miss the playoffs because the Islanders will get the final wild card spot. You're 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 overthinking this. Status quo is good for the Leafs. I had an Islanders fan like tweet me like a week ago, and he's like, are you going to write about how the Islanders are back in the playoff race? And I was like, ha-ha. And then I looked at the standings, and I was like, I'll, I'll be damned. Yeah, the East- Everybody in the East Everybody. is in the playoff race. There there are, as of as of today, Thursday, there are one, two, three, six teams tied for last place in the Eastern Conference. 
which means there are six teams that are also tied for 11th place in the Eastern Conference. They've all got 49 points. Everybody is within five points of the playoffs. Everybody is over 500 in terms of points percentage, over or, or at least at 500. Uh, and uh, and then you got the Panthers one point ahead of that group. So, I mean, it's this seven-way car crash of teams that are right behind the Bruins. Uh, it's... Uh, this this trade deadline is going to be terrible because oh, be there's bad. only two teams that every 28 out of 30 teams think they're in the playoff race and are probably right. Like usually at this time of year, there's like some team that's like nine points back. That's like, oh, you know, one seven game win streak. and We're right back in this thing. And but now everyone's in. And the only two like of the two teams that aren't in, one of them has no good players and the other one probably won't want to trade any of its good players until the offseason and like who are the really good rentals like there's no like you're, you're not going to overpay for shattenkirk if unless he's going to come there and play another six years like who are the guys mm-hmm. on the t- like colorado has a bunch of guys like you know but like do you trade duchene it's a, a Ginla is gonna it's it's gonna be like we're gonna have like six canadian networks with satellite trucks outside of jerome Ginla's house <laughs> on trade deadline day because that's going to be the only that's going to be the only move and we're i i yeah, it's there. There just might be nothing. Because I was reading, like in uh, Elliot Friedman's Thirty Thoughts this week, uh, there there was a passage where, like in back to back points, and I'm not this this isn't I'm not knocking him because this is he, what he wrote was absolutely true. But he wrote like for one team he was like what well, I think it was Tampa Bay. He's saying. You know, Steve Eisenman might want to make a deal, but everybody knows that when things are going bad, that's the worst time to make a trade. And then, like, in the very next point, he was talking about a team that was doing well, and he was like, you got to think that they're not going to make a trade when things are going well, because you wouldn't. And I just kind of, like, threw my I'm like, this is why there's no trades in the NHL, because every every possible scenario you can find yourself in, the conventional wisdom says that that is not the time to make a trade. We, we like where we're at. We're playing really well with this group. We want to go into the playoffs with this group that got us to this point. It, or, or it's just like, hey, you know what? We don't want to panic and pull a trade that we're going to. So just. just uh, yeah. We're not going to make a trade just for the sake of making. Literally, nobody has ever asked you to do that. There is not one <laughs> fan who's like, could you make a trade just for the sake of making a trade? It's not a fantasy league. That would be great. Yeah, no, there. It's exactly. It's more like, hey, could you make a trade because you're you have like eight more losses than wins, and <laughs> you're four points out of the playoffs, and this season is terrible, and we hate this roster, and we would like you to maybe do your job and change it. I feel bad every time we ta- every time we talk this way. I, I I keep hoping that like we're gonna finish the recording, and there's gonna be some blockbuster trade, and we'll be disappointed that our content is out of date and yet happy that somebody actually did something and it just never happens it'll happen on like thursday like two hours after we shut this thing down and move on it'll be like oh my god i cannot believe this but evgeny malkin is a chicago blackhawk and a one-for-one trade (laughs) for jonathan taves what a what a deal and has also been named retroactively to the top 100 (laughs) because he's now a blackhawk so Uh, he's in there oh boy that can be our next book the top 100 nhl trades of the salary cap. Number four, era. Tommy Wingles for picks. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I guess I guess we should probably go. I guess no, no. We should probably wrap it no up. Let's come back to the window. I, I feel like this. We, we, we could just make Tim Barnes work for for the next four hours if we really wanted to, but let's not do that to poor Tim. 
Tim stopped recording a long time ago. Yeah, he's, he's, he's completely checked out. He's, he's been looking at his phone for the past 30 minutes. Should we? This is normally the part where we plug things. Should we, uh, should we plug the book one more time? Uh, what book is that? This is the book that you and I wrote. Oh, yeah. uh, it's currently the number one hockey book in North America, according to Amazon's rankings. Maybe it's not. I haven't reloaded lately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can, you can find it on our Twitter pages or uh, also uh, just, you know what, go to Amazon, type 100 greatest NHL. I'm pretty sure it's the first one that comes yeah. up. And then you'll be entertained. If it isn't, buy whoever is the first one that comes up because they clearly understand web marketing better than we do. And they deserve your money. Yeah. And then, then you have all our other usual dreck on the internet. Our, our words are our copy there. That's free. You don't got to pay for any of that. Oh, yeah. We would never ask you to pay for something twice yeah. <laughs> in, this, in the same year. That we know how the not, not you, faithful internet denizen. We would never, <laughs> never suggest that you pay for two pieces of content. That's, that's just one at a time. That's just crazy. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. So that's that's episode twelve. Thanks for listening. Go to go to go to iTunes. Go, rate us rate us there. That's free too. Just give us five stars and, and tell us how how wonderful our voices are and how great our takes are and uh, share us with the world so we can spread our our our, our gospel, our hockey gospel, in other other segments yep. of the of the world. And then find us on Twitter and yell at us about Mike Madano. Yeah, do that please. Thank you. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.